0: Well, friends, let me add my welcome to that given before. Uh, for those of you who may not know me, my name's Mal York. I'm the senior minister here. And today we're, we come to our final talk in this series on 2 Timothy. Uh, but actually, this is going to be less of a talk on 2 Timothy and more thinking through the ministry at St. Andrew's for next year. However, I want to use 2 Timothy as the springboard, what we've looked at as the springboard into where I'd like to be leading the church in ministry next year. But before we go there, let me pray for us as we we come to look at God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your Word teaches us not only how uh, about your Lord Jesus Christ and about salvation in his name, but how to live for you, how to be those who are a light shining in the dark place. And so we pray, Heavenly Father, that you strengthen us as we think through ministry uh, for next year, as we reflect on this wonderful book of 2 Timothy, And through this, help us to align our wills to your will. We pray this for your praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, 2 Timothy is such a great book. Uh, It's certainly one of my favorites. I started out this series by saying uh, this was a letter uh, that was written to Timothy by Paul, whom he left in Ephesus to look after the church there. Uh, Paul was writing to Timothy to help him to stand firm against the false teaching And to align the church in Ephesus with his teachings, with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the letter wasn't just for Timothy. Timothy was to pass on all that he had been taught. So that even after Timothy had left the church, the church would continue to reflect the teachings that Paul had passed on. Uh, We've seen over this series how Paul, when he wrote to Timothy, he told Timothy that the church must be founded on prayer proclamation and suffering. Paul says that a church that is built on the right foundations is one that is more concerned with the truth of the gospel than what the world teaches around them. We've seen how Paul said to Timothy that he should faithfully pass this gospel on to the next generation. And so in order to do this, Timothy needs to be a minister who rightly handles the word of truth, to make sure that his doctrine and his theology matches his actions and his words. In other words, he models what he teaches. We've seen that Paul has said to Timothy that the way to keep the church from false teaching is to continue to use the scriptures, to teach, to correct, to rebuke, and to encourage those within the church. In fact, Timothy is to preach this word in season and out of season, when it's popular and when it's not popular and not simply fall into line with what people's itching ears want to hear. Then finally, Paul reminds Timothy that while some believers can be helpful to ministry, uh, there are some that can also be a hindrance. But the Lord is always faithful and will always stand by his side and bring us safely into his heavenly kingdom. It's wonderful words of comfort to end off that book of 2 Timothy, that no matter what happens in our ministry... No matter what happens in our lives, Jesus is always faithful and we can rely upon him to bring us safely home. And so if I could nail down what Paul is saying to Timothy about how a church should align itself in ministry according to the book of 2 Timothy, it would be the following. We need to be a church that is founded on prayer. We need to be a church that is founded on proclaiming God's word, the scriptures alone, and not preaching a worldly message that people simply want to hear. We need to stand firm against the false teaching and preach a message that comes from God alone. We need to be a church that is founded on passing the gospel on faithfully to the next generation, to be models in what we do and what we say. We need to be founded on gospel partnership, working towards every member ministry. We need to be founded On the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, working in our lives and loving each other as Christ has commanded. This is the type of church and ministry I aim to be running here at St. Andrews. Now St. Andrews already has these as the foundations ingrained into the ministry of the church, which is wonderful. And so my application has been throughout the series. Will you join with me? Will you continue with me in this vital gospel ministry? And so I ask you again will you? Well, with this ringing in our ears, I'd like to springboard out of this and to ask what will happen under my ministry here at St. Andrews in 2020. Well, what we need to do, I think, is to continue to align ourselves with a model of ministry presented to Paul here in 2 Timothy. Uh, and so what do we need to do? Well, on the one hand, the answer is very little, and the other, on the other hand, it's a great deal. What I mean by this is, as I've already said we already have strong foundations in this church built on faithful teachers, uh, teaching of godly ministers, faithful service of many parishioners over the years, faithful ministries that have taken place on this side. So in one sense, very little needs to be done. But on the other hand, we're not there yet, are we? We're not a church that fully reflects this type of ministry. And so on the other hand, there is much work that needs to be done. The 2020 vision document comes to an end next year and so I'll be asking parish council on the 9th of December if I can set up a new vision committee to review the 2020 vision next year and to start to dream of a new vision for St Andrews for the next 10 years. In my opinion, everything should be on the table for review and it's my hope that in November 2020 I'll run a vision night at St Andrews outlining what the vision of the church will look like for the next 10 years and beyond under my leadership. And so with this in mind, I've been asking the staff to read a book called Simple Church. As they've read this, I've asked them this question. If St. Andrews ceased to exist tomorrow, what is the one thing that only our church does in the community that would be missed? Or to rephrase this, what is the one thing we would want our community around us to miss if we cease to exist? Maybe you have some thoughts on this. Maybe you'd like to be a part of the process. Well, please chat with me or send me an email as I pray through who I'll ask to be on this team. But you see, when approaching a vision, it's important that we ground ourselves in the very will of God as a beginning point. Now, what you may or may not know is that we find out about what God's will in that second reading from Ephesians 1, chapter uh, chapter 1, verses 7 to 10. Let me remind you of what it says. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment. And here it is, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. You see, the will of God, God's grand plan in everything that is going to happen, that is happening and that will happen, is to unite all things under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is God's will, to unite everything, all things, under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. So no matter what we try and aim to achieve in this life, no matter what those outside the church think they are trying to achieve, at the end of the day, when we come to the end times, whether we like it or not, whether we know it or not, whether we believe it or not, God's will is that all things will be united under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so knowing that this is where we are going, this is where we will one day all be, all humanity, we can do one of three things. We can ignore it and pretend that it will not happen. That's what most of the world's doing, just ignoring it, pretending it's not going to happen. We can acknowledge it will happen, but not really change anything that we do. Or we can acknowledge that it will happen and aim to align our lives with God's will now. Of course, the church that I'm hoping to lead is one that, as we've seen in 2 Timothy, is one that will acknowledge God's will and look to bring ourselves under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the question is, how do we do this? How do we align our lives and ministries, the ministries of the church, under God's will? How do we align ourselves to all that we've seen in 2 Timothy? Well, I think the answer is found on the lips of Jesus in that third passage that was read out today. Let me remind you of what it says in Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." You see, when someone becomes a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, they come under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, this is what God's will is, to to come under the headship of the Lord Jesus. Now, my take on this passage here is that while it was a command given to Jesus' first disciples, when when they went out and someone responded to the good news of Jesus and they became a disciple, suddenly this command became applicable to them too. In other words, if you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, This command to go and make more disciples is applicable to you and to me. If you are under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ, you should be on about making disciples of Jesus. And so, our task together, as we gather here together at St. Andrew's, is to work together using our various gifts to help people become disciples and to grow as disciples. The immediate question is how do we do this? How do we make disciples? Well, I think that's the answer to this is also found in Matthew 28. Jesus gives us a method to doing this. First, he says, go, uh, which is actually a participle. So the word is going. In other words, in your going, in everything that you do, we are to make. That's the verb. The verb is to make. We are to make disciples. That's the activity that we should be doing. Secondly, Jesus says, you make disciples by baptizing people. That is, to help them identify themselves as followers of Jesus. Although baptism is a one-off event, it has ongoing effects, doesn't it? Uh, a baptism is an identification marker as the one which, which got, whom, whom God is working in. And while it's a one-off event, the evidence of it is meant to be seen in the rest of their lives. So I take Jesus saying here, disciples are to help people identify themselves as followers of Jesus, That starts off at baptism and continues on for the rest of their lives. And then finally, Jesus commands his disciples to teach uh, his disciples to obey everything that he has commanded. You see, obedience to Jesus is the key here. We are to help people mature as disciples of Jesus Christ in their understanding of him and learn to obey all that Jesus has commanded, including this command that we find in Matthew 28. Now there's much, much more that should be said here, and many more Bible verses to think through what it means and what this looks like. And so my plan is, over the next year, to run through this with the staff, with the parish council, and with the vision committee, and then also with the whole church over the coming years, so we can work out the implications for this, for not only next year, but for the years to come. But today, I want to start the conversation. It's my hope that as we come to 2020, that we as a church will start to talk more about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And as we continue in this process of aligning ourselves and uh, and our ministries to the church, it is my hope that this will just become ingrained in the DNA of all that we do. The first aspect of our ministries that I'd like to align is our Sunday preaching program. To prepare for this, over the summer series, we'll start, uh, uh, sorry, we'll start over the summer a sermon series called The Dawn of Discipleship, where we'll take a closer look at some of the early disciples of Jesus. We'll learn from them what we learn about Jesus, but we'll also work out what it means to be a disciple of his. In term one, we'll do a topical series called Discipleship, where we'll jump in and out of different gospel passages over the term. Some will be familiar some may not be as familiar. In order to think through what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? In term two, my plan is to go back to Genesis 12, 25. I know that recently uh, you have done Genesis uh, 1 to 11, so we won't go over uh, old ground, but we'll start in at verse 12 and look at Abraham. And I'm going to call this series, God's First Disciple. Now, Abraham was never a disciple of God in the terms of, uh, that we find out today in the New Testament. But I'm wanting us to look at Abraham and to see how he lived and how he trusted in God in the circumstances that he found himself in. Uh, there'll be some instances where we'll see how Abraham is different to us. Uh, but in some cases, we'll see that we actually can learn a lot from him about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. We'll see these parallels as to how God calls Abraham to follow him and how we are to follow the Lord Jesus Christ today as well. In the July holidays, we'll do a short sermon series on Jonah, and we'll see a reluctant disciple, someone who kicked and screamed his way through obeying God's word. And we'll can see we we'll see what we can learn about discipleship through him. In term three, we'll open up the book of Ephesians and remind ourselves of what the will of God is and how to be aligned to this, which will get us thinking through what discipleship looks like in the church and in our families as well, which will lead us to term four, which as I found out from St. Andrews in the last few weeks is a pretty massive term in the life of our church. Uh, and during this term we'll do a doctrine series on who God is and how we know God. It, it's, uh, I've called it for the love of God. It, it aims to help us think through as disciples how we commune with God, how we have fellowship with him, which will take us through to the end of November. Now in terms of ministry next year, not a huge amount will change. We'll continue to run the ministries of St Andrews as to how they've been going for the past few years as we work out this vision for the next 10 years and how that will impact the ministries. Uh, There will be a couple of significant differences. The first thing is that I'm really keen to get more people involved in the upfront ministry of St Andrews. An example of what, what this might look like next year is asking people who are not on staff to be leading the Sunday services. In February, I'm going to be running some training for those who would like to learn or simply be reminded of how to lead a service and to pray in in church. And then slowly over the year, we'll implement this change. The idea is on the one hand to free staff up for pastoral duties on Sunday, but also I'm a big believer that church is about the people and not about the staff. The staff are here to serve you and to train you for ministry. And that means getting you involved in the ministry. And so uh, with this in mind, I'm hoping that we'll have more lay people in, well, sorry, not lay people, just people uh, involved in leading the service. With this in mind, I've spoken to the staff about ensuring that there's a minister who is looking after the pastoral needs of the congregation. Uh, While I'll be at all services and available to everyone across the day, uh, we're going to have some specific focus pastors for the uh, congregations, which is nothing new. It's, It's pretty similar to what's been happening before. Uh, Peter Watson will continue with the oversight of the 8am congregation, Tom Takura will uh, have oversight of the 10am congregation, Stu Holman will continue with his oversight of this congregation and uh, I'll get to know the 7pmers a bit better and oversee them, while Ness Hughes will continue her amazing work across 10, 5 and 7pm, pastorally caring alongside the rest of the team. Now there is much more to be, that needs to be said about the roles of these different staff members, uh, these wonderful ministers of the gospel that we have here. We have an extremely strong staff team and I just really want to lift them up before you but we won't go into, uh, we'll go into greater details into their roles and job descriptions next year. But the overall responsibility for Sundays, including music in the contemporary service and how the services will run, will continue to lie in the very capable hands of Santino on top of the many other roles that he performs as executive pastor. In fact, I'm also talking with Santino about taking a greater role in pastoral care, uh, especially within the ministries that he does. And so with this in mind, I'm also on the hunt for a volunteer who might be able to help us with some book work in the office. So if this speaks to you, please come and speak with me or Santino after the service and we can get you starting to help out. Beck Kington will continue to serve us faithfully in the office during the week, and JR on Sundays as he cleans and makes the property look presentable. Katha Hearn will continue to settle into her new role overseeing the youth and children's ministries, while Mel Bell will continue to run the children's ministry. Now that rolls really easily off the tongue, doesn't it? But it's actually quite an enormous task that she does, Wasn't it wonderful hearing her before? Isn't God doing amazing things? I'll come back to that. Lauren and Grant will continue to minister, as they so wonderfully do, uh, to the growing youth group. Again, this role seems to be getting bigger and bigger for them each week. And I just want to say it is a real credit Uh, to the quality of, of ministry staff that we have, and especially I'm thinking of Mel, Lauren and Grant, that God is blessing their ministry and we are seeing much fruit from the children's and youth ministry. If I can encourage you to continue to uphold them and support them in all that they do. In 2020, we are also discussing with some some people about doing an MTS-style apprenticeship here at St Andrews, both in children's and youth ministries. These aren't finalised yet, so I can't announce anything today, except that I'm very excited about this. It's my hope that we establish this as a yearly programme, that we see more people trained in ministry here at St Andrews and sent out by our church. I think it's a badge of any church to be sending people into different ministries, whether that's back into our own ministries or sending people out around the diocese, uh, even into the world. Uh, But we'll think more about this over the coming years. Uh, Apart from that, on Sundays, not much will really change, but we'll work through this together. And that's the word I really want you to hear. We'll work through this together over the coming year. The staff and I agree that in 2020 we would like to see a church-wide weekend away happening again. And so we're planning on one in September, but I'll let you know more about this in the new year, especially once the dates have been confirmed. But the big elephant in the room is what's happening with the building project. Over the past three months, I've spent many hours speaking with many people who have been involved in the project and trying to get my head around it. I feel that I understand it well now. The project has been staged And we currently have uh, stage one plans approved, not only by a meeting of parishioners here, but also by the Diocesan Architectural Panel and the Keringai Council. And so in my opinion, and in the opinion of the wardens and the building committee, now is the time to take the step to get this project happening and to get it across the line. I think that the project will not only be a blessing for the current ministries that we have, but will give us a ministry centre where we will see ministry flourish for many years to come but the challenge is raising the money we currently have four million dollars in the bank and it needs to be acknowledged that many wonderful people have given to this project over the past years not to uh, not to mention the wonderful generosity from the foundation day that we had only a few weeks ago and so I want to thank each and every one of you for the way that you have supported the church in this way the problem uh, by my calculations we need approximately another five million dollars to get this project across the line the problem is for every year that we put off doing this the price goes up and will continue to so 2020 needs to be the year it needs to be the year that we join together as a church and pray for this project that we speak to each other about this project that we pray a whole lot more we think of creative ways to raise the money so that by the end of the year we can have it and get started uh, and get this project off the ground i'm not saying that this will be easy it'll only happen if god does a great work in our hearts and those who attend feel so moved as to give to see this happen the plan will be to form a committee that will come up with a fundraising strategy which will present to the church in the new year but i want you to know i am totally committed to this project my plan next year is to visit all the small groups to get to know people better and let them get to know, get to know me better, uh, to hear what they love about the ministries of St. Andrews and to hear what they think the blind spots of St. Andrews are, plus to talk with people how we can get this project across the line financially by the end of the year. There is a lot of work to be done here and I appreciate your prayers in this regard. But you know, I trust in a God that can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. So I'm keen to ask big here, and I'm excited about what God can do to us and through us. Anyway, I think I've said enough. I'll accept. I'm really, really keen to get name badges happening, okay? But we're just working out the best way to do this, so watch this space, and please keep reminding me of your names. But I hope you can see that uh, in the life of our church, 2020 is going to be a very big year, a new senior minister, a new vision for the church. A sermon series on discipleship, plus a final push to get the building project done, plus who knows what else God will bring our way. Well, let me conclude. A church can be defined by many things, by denomination, by geographical location, by theological positions, by projects that it undertakes. The question is, what do we at St Andrews want to be defined by? It's my hope that after this sermon series, in 2020 and beyond, we are a church that is defined by one that has gospel foundations at its very core, that we are defined by our prayer, that we're defined by our proclamation of God's word, that we're defined by passing on the gospel faithfully to the next generation, that we are defined by gospel partnerships, and that we are defined above everything else by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ working within our lives and helping us to love one another as God has commanded. Friends, this is the type of church that I'd like to lead in 2020 and beyond. So I ask, will you join with me in this vital gospel ministry? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful reminder of what it means to be a church that is founded on your gospel. Help us to be one that has these foundations at our very core. And through this, Heavenly Father, we pray that we will do that you will work through us and do amazing things through us, for your praise and glory in Jesus name.